Never imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're gonna go on a killing spree with shot and nails. Confidence of a hero or fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we're all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal, Sunday Quarantimes Edition. If this is your first time, Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal is a long-running podcast about music and musicians. This is episode 253. If this is your first time listening to the show, all the archives are at ProtonicReversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you'd like to support the show or get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal. If you like the show or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along, like, subscribe, or post a review of it. All that helps people find the show, and it's just a darn nice thing to do. Thanks for joining, and uh, today we have uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Aaron Beam of Red Fang. Welcome, Aaron. Hello. It's it's hi. It, how are you? It's it's been a hot minute since uh, since I seen you. I guess it's been a hot minute since anyone's seen anybody, really. But that's yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, welcome to the show. It's good to have you. Thanks. It's good to be here. So Red Fang back in action with a with a kick ass new record. I was just jamming it uh, upstairs. How's 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 that feeling? Did did it did this one? Did you start recording this one pre-COVID or was this a COVID record, so to speak? Yeah, uh, it wasn't a COVID record. We uh, had started writing probably in actually 2017 and um, took most of 2019 off just to write and record. And so we were we recorded it um, in some pieces like September uh, and November, and then we're basically completely finished with our part by. December of 2019. Um, and in one way we sort of lucked out because we had everything all pressed. Everything was already like manufactured before, um, COVID hit because I think a lot of people are running into problems actually yeah. getting records made like Huge physically delays. made. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, we were, but yeah, we were, we were supposed to release it on May 29th of 2020 and then tour, uh, the U.S. in June and and Europe in in August and yeah, I had all these plans and it all of it would just just screeching halt. Yeah, all, all of it just got a bunch of lighter fluid sprayed on and lit on fire, basically, like everybody yeah. else. Uh, well, it, it, it's a ripper and it's your um, yeah. So it's the first time in a while. I, I was trying to think. I was trying to place how many it's it's been. Uh, is it right? Is it the is it the 
sixth? Is it? Uh, it's the fifth. fifth. So, okay. yeah. So the first record yeah. kind of is a weird one because it's like a vantage know, EP. And yeah, right. Totally. Which is what, which is how I came to know you guys. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's our fifth, fifth official like full length release. And, uh, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a mean record and in a good way. Like it's, it's like, it's, it's cool. It's interesting, but you know, it's not the, uh, you know, Operation Mind Crime, it's not. Yeah, it, it's definitely, <laughs> it, it, it comes at you, it hits hard. It kind of almost uh, feels like you're delving into uh, some of the more, um, like, like your versions of, of like Bullhead or something along those lines that you're kind of like trying trying new stuff, uh, pushing pushing the envelope of the song, that kind, that kind of good stuff. Was that like a conscious choice or is that just something where like, hey, we just don't want to repeat ourselves. We want to keep, you know, pushing this forward. Sure. Uh, I, I don't think that um, my Operation Mindcrime is a perfect um, uh, antithesis or what's the word for the opposite analogy? Anal uh, you know what I'm, it's like. Uh, yeah, a a antithesis, some, yeah. <laughs> not even necessarily in the, in the, the, like the way that it sounds or the fact that it's even a concept album, but just the approach of like even having a plan before you go into songwriting of right. like, here's what we're going to base everything around. Like we have never even done that. The very, the minimal amount, we did the minimal amount that we could, which is when we first talked about playing together, we said, you know, we all like heavy music. Okay. Let's write heavy music that we like. And that was basically it. That was like the beginning and end of any kind of manifesto or any sort of like, guidance to what we were doing um and so for this record yeah it definitely does sound more i mean i hear it too and i i you know i agree i don't think i noticed it in the moment but um it does kind of push some things a little bit further than maybe the last two records did but i think that's um that's why i've said that this one felt in the in the making the process felt more reminiscent of uh murder the mountains than it did of you know any of the other records because i think with that one we were just kind of like hey we've got a bunch of ideas and no pressure and you know doesn't we just like do whatever <laughs> exactly, we yeah. want to because no one cares because we didn't have you know we didn't have a record we didn't have a, a deal with any label or anything so it was just kind of on our own time and we just made a point of doing that for ourselves for this record we that we just like i said just essentially took almost all of two uh 2019 off just to write and record right and so the stakes are different when there's when there's frankly when there's an engaged audience right when they, when there's an engaged audience that is looking to hear what you're, what you're throwing down and, exactly and as much as and that's almost every artist always says to themselves like you know oh, i do this for myself there is a difference between actually doing it for yourself and you know kind of well it's for myself but you know people people want to hear the yeah. And you too, you people want to hear the edge do his delay guitar, you know? <laughs> totally. I mean, you can be you can be still writing for yourself, but when you just, even just having that awareness that there's an engaged audience just changes the formula a little bit. And that's the thing that I felt like I personally, I can't speak for anybody else in the band. I mean, it, I feel like it sort of is clear from just the, the results, but uh, I had not yet figured out how to get away from that on the last couple of records. I mean, they were fun and they were, you know, I, I would not trade them for the world. I mean, especially work, being able to work with Ross Robinson was just amazing. Yeah. Um, but internally, I was still having trouble 
sort of separating myself from that acknowledgement that there is an engaged audience. And so with this record, it was sort of like, uh, just trying, I think that not touring actually helped with that, like being actually physically separated from the audience more helped and getting and being able to insulate ourselves from like the, you know, the label and our managers being yeah. like, so when's the record coming out? We just be like, <laughs> when it's ready, it'll yeah. come out when it's ready. When it is done. Well, and, and that, yeah. that, that's something that I meant to ask when you gave me the time frame because you know, because you're you're a band that tours hard, and you you have to be thinking in some part of your back back of your mind of like, oh, will this make a good live song, or like, how would this fit into the set, or oh, yeah, and again, not like that's like your your raison d'etre or anything, but just like that's how your mind is gonna in some way, shape, or form gonna acknowledge these things while the songs are being written sometimes, and it almost seems like it was the perfect lab environment for you guys to just turn that off a little bit, or at least turn it down. Turn the, turn the fader down. Yeah, although, um, I mean, maybe we started moving away from it a little bit, but when we first started playing, uh, every song we wrote was with an eye to how fun will this be to play in a basement party? Right. You know, <laughs> like how much are our friends going to get riled up and throw beer all over us when we play this song? Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, to some, I mean, you can hear, we're also like 15 years older than we were when we were writing those songs <laughs> and we don't want as much beer thrown as on, uh, thrown at us as we used to, uh, cause we can afford beer now. Yeah. Cause it's um, more expensive. You don't want to waste it now. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, thing. I mean, so yeah, I think that you, I think that there is some element of that, that you're right, that there's like some level of being able to just do something without thinking about the way it affects it's going to affect anyone else except for just does this sound cool and do we like it yeah yeah you know? absolutely well and and that's you know that, that's certainly how it sounded and again we'll, and we'll come back to eros i want to actually uh, dive really deep into it because i think there's some interesting stuff there but yeah red thing came to my attention as like oh it's the new party time band it's it's like right. a, <laughs> cuz I knew party time and I, and I was like oh that's great cuz I, I was like oh that's Brian Giles like doing like you know fun classic rock kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah. Cuz I was a huge last the Juanitas fan. So Right, me too. Uh fantastic band. And then when the Vantage EP came out I was like oh this is cool. This is this is this is not quite what I expected but it's it sounded new and uh I think the usage of the word fun can kind of be misappropriated, but it had it had a lightness to it that was that it was like, oh, you're they're like inviting in like a different group of like you don't have to sit there with your sextant and your uh, and and work out the mathematical equations to enjoy Red Fang. Right. And, and I, but it, it didn't sacrifice any of the heaviness. It didn't sacrifice any of the bombast. It was it was just sort of like, oh, take all that stuff and channel it down. Uh, like a, a more, for lack of a better term, a rock and roll sort of path, and I and I found that to be interesting because there isn't a lot of bands that really have done that, and yeah. uh, and then so that kind of carried through into into the first record and and you guys kind of making your way in the world, but of course it it goes without saying that that video for prehistoric dog, which I would mark amongst one of the best of the form. Seemed like that was a bit of a game changer because it hit right as, like, it's hard to, let me, let me get my, my cane and my long beard. It's hard for the younger listeners <laughs> of the show to understand, but there was a time period where there wasn't a viral video every week. 
And this one hit, and it's incredibly clever, doubly hilarious if you've ever, you know, uh, been around or done LARPing. And just mission, I know, <laughs> same here, man, yeah. And yeah. then, but a statement of intent song with one of the most badass videos ever. And so when, taking it all the way back, when you guys when you guys were making that video, did you have any thoughts to it being anything other than like, oh, this would be like funny or this would be cool? Like, did you did you know that people would still be like clicking on it today that you know maybe weren't even born <laughs> when it was when well, it was put out? <laughs> right, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I think it, we didn't have as long of a view. I mean, I had never been in a band that had like gone further than Boise, you know, to play a right. show. Yeah. Uh, Actually, that's a lie. I'd been in one band, but it was like I was playing saxophone in my buddy's. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't like my band. It wasn't a rock band. It, uh, sure. Um, <clears throat> so there's two two parts, I guess. One is that the song itself. That was the first song that we wrote. That one. As soon as we wrote it, we all just felt like, oh, this is something different than anything that any of us have written before. This just like went to this level of like, I don't know, just engagement and kind of universality or something that we hadn't ever really been able to do before. Not that we're necessarily trying. Yeah. I think that the one of the points of party time was let's make a point of moving away from that sort of protractor style music and write music that inspired us to play, pick up a guitar in the first place, which is a lot more kind of like straightforward, you know, anthemic or whatever it is even if it you know even if it's um black flag there's just there there's an element of um for as great a guitar player as greg ginn is that band still has this sort of just like in your face immediately graspable aspect to it um and so you know it sort of made sense that eventually as you go down that path you're not like intending to write pop songs yeah but I love pop songs. And I think part of that thing that you're hearing of like some of the darkness, like there's still plenty of darkness. My lyrics are often pretty darn dark, but I think I was inspired in the beginning by just the name party time. Like (laughs) why does music have to be so serious and such a bummer? Why can't music music itself be the party? You know, everyone's sitting there glumly handbanging. Yeah, exactly. You don't need. Yeah, exactly. And so that's kind of where like the inspiration for the, on the music side came from and that song you know was it it was actually an old party time riff that brian had written years before that we then simplified that was sort of like in the beginning kind of the 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 mo of red fang was we'll take brian's riffs and then take just the first four notes of it instead of all 27 (laughs) notes you know we're like we love the first four notes just lose the next 23 and then just repeat those four yeah, when you, know, you, when, you then, do this, uh, when you do this polyrhythmic, like, you know, that, that we can ditch that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and then, so we already felt like, oh, this song is something different and special. Like, sure, we haven't yeah. ever done anything like this. And just, like, we are super excited to play this song in a way that we haven't been before. And that, and we had been hassling, well, the rest of the guys had been hassling Whitey, the guy who made the video, since party time days. Uh because he's super duper good and a lot of his videos were like yeah yeah absolutely my mentality was we were you know we were 
working pretty hard to increase, you know, to let people know who we were through. Like at the time, it was MySpace. I know, right? And like, oh man, and like you said, top eight. YouTube was <laughs> YouTube was yeah. YouTube was like sort of it was just a baby at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's 2007, I think, was when maybe 2008 when the video came out, and YouTube had started in what like late 2000 2006 yeah the like button was so, a rattle you know it's, it was a, it's an infancy yeah for sure <laughs> yeah and so our our uh i know this is a very long answer but it's no, a no. complicated it's a long moment. form show um yeah it's important the, uh so the first part is the song and then the second part is our mentality about um getting a video made and our thought was whitey makes hilarious videos we loved his video for uh it was uh Charlie from um, the planet The yes. had a band called Panther. Yes, yes, and yes. Whitey had made a video where he's like in a room that's all everything is made of cardboard. He has like cardboard headphones, a cardboard bed, a cardboard record player, and he's dancing. He does these amazing dances and he's dancing around. And then there's a punchline at the end yep. that I think you should go check it out. It's, I think it's called You Don't Want Your Nails Done. Um, and we were like, oh my God, this video is amazing. And it had like, 25,000 views or something. Yeah. And so my hope was if we could get Whitey to do a video and we could get like, if we could get 30,000 views, I will be <laughs> so stoked. Cause right. you know, we had like, you know, we had like 120 people who were our friends on MySpace. Sure, yeah. And so that was essentially like, as far as I really thought was just like, if we could get this video just like to be sort of at the same level of that Panther video. And then as we watched it, and like you said, there are people there, the only, the viral videos of the time were things that people would share a link to a website on email. <laughs> right, exactly. And then you go like, you go, Oh, have you seen this, you know, uh, video of the angry hamster or whatever it was yeah you know here, here's the here's the gi the gi joe psa parodies and all yes, embedded exactly embedded avis on a website <laughs> exactly just a list of them and you're like oh i'm gonna download them all and have them and then have them on a <laughs> floppy disk and bring it to a party <sighs> yes <laughs> i remember it well <laughs> yeah. yeah oh my god <laughs> times have changed yeah, and so, yeah, so it was the it was the dawning of this stuff of, of it, and like you happened to get in with something that was very clever. It was something that like I don't think you needed to give a fiddler's fart about the pedigree of anybody in the band to be like, oh, that's an awesome video, and yeah. that th that hit at like a time where there just wasn't a lot of that going along. I mean, I mean, certainly, again, it it wasn't it just wasn't like how it was now, and I know people. Younger listeners, especially because I hear about them, don't like hearing about that. But it just, it just freaking wasn't. I'm not saying one is better yeah. than the other, but it just wasn't. So, sure. And like you said before, it was also at a time where cable TV was kind of on the way out, and MTV yeah. wasn't showing videos anymore. Videos were not music videos, just kind of weren't a thing. And so, right when that came out, and people started noticing uh, us because of that video, one of the most common questions was about like what it what made you guys think to make a music video because no one no one was, Nobody really was doing, doing it you know exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean with panther it, it it like made sense because it's like when he started that off and i love the planet though by the way brilliant band uh way underrated frankly but it's almost like he didn't yeah really know what he was going to be doing with it at first and so it was like well, of course you're gonna make a video because you're making this genius music and like doing this cool thing you want to share it with people but yeah 
it was not a thing that like a, a rock band that wasn't like, I don't know, U two or something like would be doing. I don't know why you bag on you too, but like whatever. They're a big band. We get it. <laughs> well, I think it's fair. It's fair to bag on them. Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe it's Apple's fault. But that. Oh my god! god that, remember that album? album that, oh my god! <laughs> I never had an iPhone, but Brian has one, and it's like he would delete it over and over and over again, <laughs> it and it just showing kept back appearing. Yeah, it showed up like an STD every time he tried to delete it. <laughs> I mean, so I hear. But the, yeah, yeah, like, and the audacity of, of them thinking they're doing everyone a favor by doing it. I mean, like, that's, well, that's a separate podcast. But, yeah, here you go. Here you go. Oh, yeah. You, you never consider the fact that somebody might not, actually might not want this and it might be looked at as an invasion of privacy. What? Yeah. But we've got the ballad of, jo- of Joey Ramone. Everyone's going to want to hear it. Oh, my God. Anyway, you too. So, prehistoric dog. And, of course, in, in the video... If there's some someone somewhere listening or watching this that has not seen this video, I mean, look, all I can say is beer can armor. Like, if if, if that doesn't yep. if that doesn't drag you in, I don't know, I don't know what will. And I, I just looked right now, and I think it's the it's the the OG upload, but it's one million hundred four thousand eight hundred ninety one views. So definitely yeah. hit hit the thirty k mark, and that's on the the, the sort of. They changed the aspect ratio later. <laughs> yeah, there's several. That one was, it's a little frustrating because because we posted it so early, we didn't really know what the rules were. And so I think there's like five different versions yeah. of it that, and like three of them have over a million views. I'm not like, I mean, I'm bragging a little bit, but no, I'm not, I'm but not you trying can't to brag. It's, just, it's because, frustrating because yeah. we would we would love it if there was like one place that had the all of them, you know, but uh, so that we had a better idea of how many, uh, how far those things are are reaching people. But you got the uh, you know the, there's the uh, Monty Python the Holy Grail sort of homage uh, with the with the with the this the hilarious bleep. yeah it's- it was luckily it was my arm that got cut off because that's you know. I'm prop maybe not, but I feel like I'm probably the biggest Monty Python nerd in the band. <laughs> I mean, it's it's there's so much to love there. Not the least of which is that again, as as I mentioned, I think Prehistoric Dog is like kind of a statement of intense song from you guys. It's sort of like if you can yeah. listen to Prehistoric Dog and you're like, oh, this rules. Chances are you will like this band. It's not that every song sounds exactly like it, but chances are you will like this band. I think that's fair to say. <sighs> so did that? Uh, I think for a lot of people. And especially if they came on like a little bit later, like with the you know the, with the whole PBR element and 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 that thing along those lines, was it sort of a uh, a fast ramp up towards like playing like these bigger shows? Because again, you, you guys had contacts from like being in the indie world and like and like playing shows and touring on like the shit eating level, like everyone else <laughs> for years and years and yeah. years. So it wasn't like yeah, you yeah. were coming in like. Uh, you know, some assembled L.A., you know, style band or anything along those lines. Like, you already had, like, a deep knowledge of, of the world of touring and a lot of contacts for there. But it kind of seemed like hit stuff hit differently with this with this band. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, it was, um, <clears throat> you know, we'd, I think we'd done one, one, like, big U.S. tour before, before the video came out uh and it was awesome because most of it was with 
the fucking champs in a band called Birds of Babylon because Both fantastic bands. You know, I saw the the champs when they played in the mailroom at Reed College right. in like <laughs> 1995 or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. So I've known those guys forever, and uh, so yeah, I mean like like you said, we had contacts. So we are sort of like, we'd done a pretty good tour already before that, that, uh, that video came out, but definitely things, the pace changed pretty quickly. I mean, for me, because I'd ha like I said, I hadn't really been in real touring bands, uh, until really red Fang. Um, I'd been in bands that went, I, so I went from essentially zero to okay now I'm, now I'm in a band that's actually touring and it was like it didn't feel meteoric or anything yeah. it did feel pretty steady because we started out with a tour where you know one of the shows we were playing for two people and <laughs> one of those people was was the uh slam poetry lady who opened the night and then started packing up the pa when she was done we we're like oh, wait 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 come on <laughs> can, can you uh can we convince you to stay a little bit longer um just give us 35 minutes please <laughs> yeah exactly uh and so you know that like that was the first tour and then we did a couple more shows that started getting a little bit bigger and then uh you know our local shows started doing better and then we did that u.s tour and it was yeah. better and then I think it wasn't wasn't long after that that uh that we got the video made and then the next tour that we did was uh opening for clutch and we were first of four but like all of a sudden we had a booking agent we had like a proper label we had a lawyer um so yeah things changed pretty fast but we you know like we knew the guys in the like john knew the drummer uh trivet from the sword from like way way back and so we just had a bunch of people that we knew that we could and like big business where you know they were already like doing more than we ever had and so we just kind of like talked to all of our friends who had started like or were in the like you know a little bit higher up or whatever and just got a bunch of advice and uh i guess at our age it it was super duper exciting don't get me wrong but it also felt still like within the world of possibility just because of the number of people that I'd gotten to know over the years. But yeah, it was like five or six years of just like, oh, that tour is better than life. Like everything just getting better and bigger and, and better every, you know, every single tour and every record and whatever, just getting a little bigger. Sure. And, and ramping up like there, there being kind of a, like yeah. a, a slow and sustainable uh, ramp up. And, th that, and yeah. that was noticeable from the outside, too, not the least of which is that even as you were purveying in a, a genre of music that was like a little more straightforward maybe than some of your peers, you never seem to lose that sense of community, which is, which is, I guess when you're looking for it, you can, you can find who does and doesn't do that. Let's put it that way. Uh, and, and, say, yeah. and say no more. Uh, and then you got, oh, so then you got murder the mountains <clears throat> after that. Right. So you know, you know that this is a thing, you know, you can do it. You know, people are responding to it. How do you take all that in and, and make that one? Like what was, what, what was the mindset with the band at that time? Uh, it was still the same as with the first record because we had uh, Murder the Mountains. Most of the songs were already written before, you know, before like the um, the video that whole before that sort of thing started blowing up a little bit. Um, and I think because it really that first record like that tour with clutch it you know we were first of four and it was still it was still like 
you know, five of us sleeping in one hotel room. And <laughs> if we had to get, when we had to get ho hotel rooms and when we did, we were like, well, I guess we're making no money today. You know, we weren't like yeah. getting rich on that. You weren't, tour you weren't high stretch. rolling. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not even close. Um, but uh, so then, you know, it didn't feel like there was any, it was just like, well, that was pretty cool and weird that we got to do that. But uh, uh, it wasn't to the point yet where it was like, we got to quit our jobs or anything. So it was yeah. still just, we're making music that we feel like we want to record because this band is super fun and it feels like it's kind of, you know, it's worth continuing to do for us. Uh, so it was like, yeah, it was, no, it was, I think we had 17 songs actually that we were recorded for murder the mountains, which I don't imagine will ever happen again that we have like <laughs> eight extra songs afterward, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was super chill and, you know, we took our time and well, we took our, our time because there was no pressure and then recording it. Like, I think it was, it was pretty quick. It was like four days of basic tracking. And then, uh, but that was the one that Chris Funk had reached out and said, you know, if you guys ever want a record produced, I can produce a record right. for you. And, 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 uh, I knew him from just having lived in Portland for a long time. And I think it took a little convincing of, it took convincing me and then convincing the other dudes, especially like, really, do we want the Decemberist guy <laughs> touching, like, touching our music? Because of course a producer I, can, you know, work in multiple genres, but when someone is known for like a specific thing, the media thought is is like, ooh, I don't know, is that gonna, yeah, yeah, is that gonna work? <laughs> yeah, obviously I, it worked pretty well, it, and it turns out, yeah, it turns out it worked okay. Uh, it, it's funny yeah. you, you mentioned, you know, being, you know, on the on the money side, having to be economical and whatnot, because of course the video for that one is the excellent video for Wires, which yeah. I think is just an absolutely genius conceit. Which for those that haven't yes. seen it, there's you know, you have the you have the budget for the video. And then you get to see the budget kind of go down as uh, items for the video are procured, and then there's a very okay. uh, there's a very lovely denouement to all of it. Uh, yes, and I mean, is that something where obviously you know Whitey's incredible talent worked well on the first record? Hey, let's make a video for this too. I mean, that seemed like that was a good one as Ab well. Yeah, absolutely. I actually I wish I could remember exactly what the Whitey probably would remember better than me, but. I don't remember if we, if it just was like taken for granted that he was going to do a video or if we actually had to <laughs> be like, hey, could you, you know, we got another, hey, yeah. would you be interested in maybe doing this again? Tugging on the um, coat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't actually remember that part of it, but because uh, after that, then it just started becoming a, you know, a given that, that we were going to, uh, yeah, it's, that he was going to do it. Yeah, it, it, so, it was like a natural uh, symbiosis of sort of like, well, yeah, exactly, of course he's exactly. going to. Um, why wouldn't he? <laughs> but I do remember worrying, like two things that I worried about when he sort of ran through the idea for the video because the lyrics to prehistoric prehistoric dog are just absurd. They're yeah. nonsense. Yeah. Um, but the lyrics for wires are like kind of serious, and so I was kind of not convinced that doing a pretty silly video that's totally unrelated to the lyrics was like, is that going to reduce the impact of the song or something? Like, is it, is it, yeah. is it a bad idea? Uh, and in the end, I'm super glad that we did do that because uh, it reflects, I think it made me reflect a little bit more uh, as a person on just my relationship to uh, art versus the person 
and um and also just the fact that humans are not as simple as like everything is down one channel you know <laughs> you can be like i mean i've laughed at a wake before you know well, i've oh, like of course you know, yeah it's... yeah yeah so it doesn't have to be a literalist uh, translation in that way exactly <laughs> exactly um and then the other thing i worried about was is there any fucking way i don't know if i can curse but yeah, if you, i can't can, yes. i'm sorry you're fine <laughs> that this video could come anywhere close to the you know level of awesomeness that that uh was set by a prehistoric dog i was just like there's no way it's going to be such a letdown and then once we got out on tour uh for that record a bunch of people were coming up to me like i, I love your video and i just immediately assumed they were talking about prehistoric dog yeah. and then turned out once i started talking to them a little bit more they'd never even seen the prehistoric dog video nice so well, yeah, and and I guess that's the the problem, air quotes, with having like a really awesome video right out of the gate is like then everything afterwards has to like be kind of stacked up against it. Like, oh, well, is it as good as Prehistoric Dog? Because if it isn't, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't do it. And if you go down right. that path, that way, I mean, that way lies madness, frankly. Yeah, yeah. And luckily, White, that wasn't affecting Whitey at all. Like, he's yeah. just like, he's constantly creating and has millions of ideas and so I don't think there's any part of him that had any doubt whatsoever. He's just like, even if it isn't as good, it doesn't, I'm just going to do another one after that anyway. So I basically think that it's, it's totally on par with prehistoric dog as far as the entertainment value. And that actually for my brain, once you have done two, then you're, then you're like, now you're free to like, okay, now the, the, you know, the natural dips and rises are a lot easier to tolerate for, for us and for the audience. They're not like lots of times if the first thing is like amazing and the second thing is terrible, then everybody's just like, Oh, it was just a fluke. Goodbye. And then they never pay attention. Then again. They're out for forever. But if you do sure, two yeah. good things and they're like, Oh, okay. And then they forgive the third thing. So <laughs> right. I always try to do like, I'll try to make like, Two good jokes and then a terrible joke when I'm meeting somebody new. <laughs> just, just, yeah, just to keep them guessing. Exactly. Yep. Uh, well, and, and that's and what I would say was actually something pretty close to that. So that's hilarious that that's – I should have just let you do it. But the <laughs> – but, yeah, I mean, the so so the, the band – the band's growing, kind of reach, reaching new folks and kind of – and getting some new opportunities. You know, you, you're playing – bigger shows playing different audiences and it's it's something where you know you're not there as like uh, uh make a wish foundation winners you know like you're, you're you're there because you earned it you're there because you've put in the work and because you've you're operating in a genre that honestly like i feel like a lot of bands maybe attempt but don't pull off so well so you're you're doing something it's unique but it appeals to I mean, I just think back to uh, wasn't there that festival that you guys played that like Metallica like picked the bands? Yeah, uh, yeah. On, on the yeah. East, I can't. What was, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, Ori, uh, Orion Music oh, and More. I was gonna say it was, it was that it was named off of a, a song of theirs, and I couldn't remember what it was. But <laughs> like, I mean, that's got to be like a thrill, right? To be like, holy crap! Like, you know, I mean, say, yeah, say what you sure. will about that's them like, these that, days, yeah, but that's... I mean, icons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's like, you know, people ask a lot, you know, once you've kind of been in the music world for a while, can you still do you 
could you ever do you do you still get starstruck or can you do you think you could ever get starstruck again yeah uh and uh that answer came for me when we played that festival because we on the way out we were just like there's no way that anybody from metallica actually has heard our band and you know <laughs> it's like some guy you know yeah. one of their like fifteen thousand uh employees who's whose son was like Hey dad, you know, it'd be cool as if we got this, you know, these old fat guys to play, uh, Metallica's <laughs> Yeah. Festival. The, the assistant night shift manager was like a big right. fan. Right. So, so you gotta be, it's yeah. gotta be something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so we were just like the only way, the only way that we're going to believe that Metallica actually, you know, handpicked us for this thing, which is what the like thing that went out to all the bands said, um, is if James Hetfield comes over and, and, you know, introduces himself before we play. And, uh, you know, like eight minutes before we were supposed to go on, I was like, ah, it's not, oh, well, it's not going to happen. And then Chris Coyle, our tour manager, comes like huffing and puffing over and he's like, I'm stretching out or whatever. And he's like super agitated. Everybody, okay, everybody has to, good, I'm glad I found you. We have to, everybody has to assemble over here uh, five minutes before you go on, you have to assemble like right behind the stage because James Hetfield is coming over because he wants to say hi before you guys go on. I was like, ah, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was, uh, I found out that I can still get starstruck. That's so, did, what, do you remember what he said? Or No, of Just course like, not. You... <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I remember that Brian was like maybe a little bit too personable with him. And I think it was like Brian was in a kind of like punching people in the shoulder phase and <laughs> hit him in the shoulder a couple times. And I was like, Brian, chill out. Yeah, the maybe. main thing I remember was that he was wearing an outfit that like, you know, it was like a, a basketball jersey. Mm -hmm. He was basically wearing all purple, including purple flip flops. And I was like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> accessorized, accessorized. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and that that had to be uh, if I, and that that was like 2012 or something, right? So is that that was that right after they did the record with uh, Lou Reed? That was that right I around that time. I think it was. Period? Yeah, it was that same year. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a wild ass record, and for a band that didn't need to do that, like you you got to give them props for like. Man, they tried some. They done. They not only tried something different. Like they went out into like the next galaxy with that one. Like that's like yeah. Nobody expected it. Arguably, nobody was really asking for it. But holy crap, they did it. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a band doing whatever the fuck they want. Right. Exactly. And why not? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, okay. So then, all right. So that. So that. And that's like around 2012 or so, right? So then, the whales and leeches. Right, that's the one. Uh, you know, you got blood like cream. You got like that. So, what are you thinking uh, with that record? That's also Chris, right? That's Chris. Yep. Chris on that Funk. one. Yeah. That is that's the one that's got um, uh, black car procession. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Jenkins. He, he that, yeah. there's like some saw on there, right? If I remember correctly, mm -hmm. there's there's a bunch of kind of cool yeah, little for the people who are listening kind of things with that one. As uh, as um, Vance Powell, who mixed uh, Murder the Mountains and uh, Whales and Leeches, he would always say, this one's for the smokers. <laughs> we'll put that in there for the smokers. You know, like once you have your headphones on and you're whoa. like just really focused, then you're like, whoa, 
Yeah. Holy shit, there's What's a thing that? over there. <laughs> there's a thing yeah. in, the, in like the stereo field over there. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody just said, go to bed. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it, it, seemed like, it seemed like that one was pretty well received. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it was, again, you're building off of what, what had come before. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that one was a little hard for us, like, we are feeling real worn out from lots and lots and lots of touring and we're getting, it was the first time we'd ever experienced getting like pressure, I guess is the best word for it from the label and from a label and from our manager, like, (laughs) Hey, when's the next record coming out? How are you guys writing? Like blah, blah, blah. You know, we weren't familiar. We weren't accustomed to that. And so, and add to that, that John uh, was quitting smoking at the at, during the writing phase of that record so there's a lot of sort of like pent up uh feelings um or maybe even not so pent up um and so actually i feel like a lot of that record feels like kind of anxious to me and there's a number of songs on there that uh i wrote about like are we ever going to be able to kind of do this again the way yeah. that is anything going to work the way that it worked on murder of the mountains again i mean not quite that explicit but that was essentially what the like that song uh uh geez what's it called banger culpepper was the working title and i can't remember what the actual <laughs> the final voices of the dead what's... okay um that that song's totally just about yeah, I don't know. Did we lose the magic? I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. Well, um, they're in this. They're, yeah, they're, they're, that up... manifests as sort of like a vague darkness. Like it doesn't come across as like a band in crisis, but it comes across as like a vague darkness for sure. Yeah, just sort of like ang- anxious and just like yeah. ah, you know, like kind of just a little scared about the whole process. But um, there's some great songs on there. I'm very proud of. I feel like Blood Like Cream turned out really well. Um, uh, Dawn Rising is one of my favorites. Yep, I love. Uh, Mike Scheidt's contribution to that one. I love Paul's contributions to the um, uh, uh, Every Little Twist. And he also sang on one of the outtakes and just like took lead vocals on it, which I think was awesome. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it definitely had um, some high moments and some low moments, like almost any record does. And it also definitely, like, I think that that's one of those ones where I was surprised to see that, you know, if you look at like Queens of the Stone Age, album sales that it was the record after songs for the deaf that sold what you know that's their like top seller right right yeah 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 and i think it's called error vulgaris but to me songs for the deaf is like you know rated r and songs for the deaf and even the first it's record, l- it's lullaby like, to paralyze the then era vulgaris not to be that guy but um i i, I th- it's and all it, about what lullaby to paralyze is the is the one after uh songs oh for the right deaf, right right which I think that and Era Vulgaris are very, very underrated records, frankly, that people were just very obsessed over Nick Oliveri and his, and his absence. And I, I think they're, yeah, there's a lot of great tunes there. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so Whales and Leeches is, there, there's a certain amount of anxiety within the band, but it's, it certainly comes across as uh, authoritatively, uh, you know, great album cover i mean that's uh that, that that's a ryan i think right i mean like from the from the school of like like going back to like black sabbath album covers we're like whoa what's going on there right but like it with yeah. a with a you know modernist sensibility uh it, to, to me it definitely seems like you're a band that was 
you knew exactly what you were doing and you knew exactly where you were going from the outside. But it's interesting that you say that, you know, there was some de- some degree of worry on some subconscious level or something. Now, now, that's the record that you went on Letterman with, right? Correct. Which that is one of the, uh, I will say to you, Aaron, that like, that's every once in a while something happens where you're like, oh, this is for all of us. And that was a this is for all of us moment because yeah. you guys are sitting up there with your beat up old sun amp heads. <laughs> you know, you got a freaking classic Fender that has like the horn practically missing. Like it's just you guys come in like a bunch of alley cats, you know, and you, and you just rip it up on David yeah. freaking Letterman. So if if you don't mind, could, could you speak a little bit to, for like how that came to pass? What was that? I mean, sure. the experience good. I mean, it seemed freaking <clears throat> awesome for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, just to start off, it was absolutely fantastic. It was a just terrific experience from start to finish. Uh, it was our uh, PR person just had contacts, Monica Saidi. She had contacts with uh, we love all Monica. of the kind of late night places uh, and <clears throat> or the bookers, I guess. And because we'd gotten some attention, you know, with with Murder of the Mountains and then that I think that Wales and Leeches was like it debuted somewhere in the billboard, whatever. Um, uh, Letterman apparently just really likes rock music. I don't know if he'd heard our band, but also he's like, he is, he had put a, uh, uh, he made it clear to his, his team that he likes to be the place that debuts new kind of new bands that people are, you know, just kind of discovering. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. wants to be that guy. Um, and we're friends with uh, this guy, Sean Cox, who he's like an old Portland guy who uh, was like teched for Poison Idea and um, and now works for the Foo Fighters and has for a pretty long time. And so they, you know, we kind of discussed with him, like, what do we need to know going in? And he said, the main thing is the crew there have been you know, it's the same crew since like 1981 or whatever. And, uh, that's some they, job. Boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're loyal and, yeah, you know, yeah. they're like, they're super duper good at what they do. And they, uh, just be polite. You know, he's like, I know you guys and I know what you're like and you're going to be like this anyway, but say please and thank you. It could, please and thank you goes a real long way. And, so oh and the other thing leading into it was um we got an email asking if we wanted paul schaefer to play with us i was gonna ask because i remember distinctly it's the pixies there's a there was an appearance where it wasn't just paul schaefer but it was like the whole band and david levering has like the maracas or something going and it's just like wow who and then but that was a thing that they would like yeah at least paul would accompany right yeah, and I think I feel like it had sort of started becoming a little bit of a joke almost the way it was like, oh, Paul just jumps in with anybody. But he'd already kind of stopped doing that. And so as soon as they said, do you want to have him play? I was like, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> because, well, A, because he's, you know, he's a legend, you know, Spinal Tap, whatever. Yeah. But he's also, he actually is a great musician. He's a really Let's good not musician. Forget, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's all kinds of extra stuff on the record version of that song that, that you, we can't do live. So yeah. getting an opportunity to play with a great musician who 
I'm sure can augment the song. Why wouldn't you do that? Um, and so, uh, so we get the uh, call sheet thing and we're in a hotel that's like basically like a block block away from the uh, studio and our call sheet says okay load in time is five and then you'll have sound check until like seven or whatever <clears throat> uh and we're like okay cool cool uh i think there might be a typo on here because it says 5 a.m and they were like no no you have to load in at 5 a.m because they shoot two they do two tapings they do thursday and friday on thursday oh my God. and so they the, the second band the friday taping does their sound check first and then then they move everything off and then the the thursday taping band goes on set for, sets everything up and leaves it there do you remember so, who the who the band the next night was no um it was five in the morning so yeah, i was gonna no, say you're I lucky to remember, remember your name at that point i'm sure yeah <laughs> right uh but then, you know, we get in there and we can't use our sound guy. Like their sound guy is, it's all like, um, whatever you call it, uh, union. And so he's like, it's weird because the sound guy is in the basement below the stage. Oh, wow. And it's pretty small, as you've, I'm sure you've heard. Like it's just, it's not a huge stage. Um, uh, we have to use like their cat. We can use our amps, but we have to use their cabs. We have to use their microphones. Um, but they really want, they want the show to be good. So they asked us to like, they kept asking us to go through it again and again and again, because they want to know what we're going to do. Like, where were we going to move? What motions are happening? Their, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, They're yeah, directing yeah. the cameras. The yeah. camera team is like, uh, you know, the sound guy, maybe he's like, he keeps ask, asking us for adjustments. So basically it was like the most perfect sound check ever as far as sound went. Because um, it's one song that you get to dial perfectly. <laughs> right. You get every, uh, every and, detail but, of every nuance to, uh, like over and exactly. over again. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, and then it's like, okay, the ca you know camera team wants to do one more. Do you guys mind doing one more? It's like our third or fourth time playing the song. And I'm like, as many chances as we get, I'm yeah, fine yeah. to keep doing this to get just more and more comfortable. Sure. Yeah. And then... And then uh, the other thing that we heard is, you know, if you guys can stick around a little bit longer, the crew is telling us this, like Paul is actually coming down to rehearse with you guys, which they're like, I can't even remember the last time he came down to do like the early rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he like the basically, you know, which gave us the impression like Paul is actually stoked to do this. And then once he got there, he was like super friendly. And uh, we ended up, running the song he was like he wanted to just keep doing it over again over and again so we we practiced the song i mean sound checked whatever we probably played it like eight times that morning yeah and so i was really really comfortable and prepared on that stage and ready to go and then we all leave you know um try to get naps and and then i think our call time to come back is like four in the four p.m <clears throat> and there's very little room I was very happy that as we got in, like we were getting into the elevator to go up to our dressing room and Paul was in there going down to go start shoot taping the show. And he was like, oh, I'm really glad I caught you guys. Cause, and he had his sheet music where he'd written all <laughs> what he's gonna play. <laughs> That's awesome. And he's like, during this section, you know, like right here, blah, blah, blah. And luckily I, you know, I took piano lessons growing up so I actually can read music. Yeah, wow. 
and he's asking about these sections and i was like oh no here actually that should be a g and what you know like so we adjusted some stuff on his on his chart right before he went out it was so it was great and then yeah and then just like nerves are getting worse and worse and worse as the time approaches because it's a lot you know the commercials the breaks that they take are exactly as long as the actual commercials so right. once they start taping it's like okay you are going to be on in 35 minutes you know yeah, yeah. and it's just that kind of roller coaster thing like yeah. you feel like you're going you're like uh do i i kind of want to get off i don't know if i want to do this but then as soon as you start going it's just it's amazing and he was you know yeah it was it was great we took got to take some pictures with paul afterwards and you know it was, it was pretty great having dave come over and shake our hands and stuff so yeah it was it was a highlight of my life for sure yeah that, and that was a beautiful moment it was and it's and, and again and you guys killed it too and there's always that you know i'm sure that kind of when you when you aren't in that world all the time you, you have that like what if i just forget all the words suddenly or you know like it's like there's those right. weird anxieties that don't make any sense that are lurking somewhere in the back of your right, head right right of course you're not gonna yeah. forget all the words it's fuck you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that's 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 lovely man that that's that that's awesome to hear and it was it was awesome to see like it was one of the things that like who allowed this this is awesome yeah 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 hopefully that story i wanted to try to give like all the details so you can really i mean i that's know that great. sometimes it's it can be too much but uh because i you know never anticipated being able to do something like that myself like yeah i'm just curious like what is every single thing that happens and so that's the to the best of my memory that's basically what the day was I, like i'm i'm very excited that you did and actually they they have a, i think cnn's doing this history of late night thing recently mm. and i was i was like oh i'll watch that and it turns out way more compelling than i even expected it to and it is something that it's easy for folks to forget that like what of a fucking groundbreaker david letterman was and what that sh- that show was oh yeah changed everything yeah, absolutely yeah i mean the whole just the approach to like the way he would do skits on the show like yep. tons of stuff that he did was game changing for the genre he's a genius absolutely absolutely so he I, deserves I, to be an 80 millionaire or whatever it is. <laughs> and and have the most epic beard of all time as well. Yes. <laughs> I love that that was his, that was his first move is just to grow this like, you know, Gandalf beard. It's like respect, yeah. man, respect. Uh, after giving us shit for having for or giving John <laughs> shit for not having a beard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> for, for for pulling the, uh, the 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 Frank beard of of uh, of ZZ Top. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I want to be mindful of your time. Normally, what, what I would yes. what I would do is uh, I'd go through uh, like a song by song on the new record. We're certainly not going to have time for that, but we we can do it another time. That's fine. Cool. Yeah. If you want to do, I would love to. I mean, we still have to talk about only ghosts and whatever. If you want to do a follow up, I'd be more than happy to do that. Let's do that. Um, yeah. Let's let's uh, do, doesn't that? I mean, not, it's not gonna, not going to be today. You know that, and that's fine. But okay. like, I'm sure we'll, we'll both be able to do it later. Uh, yeah. So we'll we can consider this a part one, and then we'll. Uh, I love it. We will have a part two at a later time. Uh, so Aaron, I, I want to thank you so much for spending so much time with me. And uh, it might seem a little weird since we we're going to do this as I just announced ten seconds ago as a part one and a part two. But there's a canned question I ask folks at the end of the show whenever I have them on. You can choose to interpret it however you like. But all right, why do you do what you do? Uh. That's pretty easy. It's because I can't not do it. Um, I just actually filled out, I was just typing an interview this morning where they're asking about like, what were the challenges to doing this? And like, 
how did you keep persisting when blah, 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 blah. And the way I think about it is like, uh, what, how did you stay motivated to keep eating every day? You know, <laughs> it's like, you don't have to convince yourself. Like there's a thing, there's a thing in there. It's called hunger. <laughs> and it makes you go like, oh shit, I should probably eat something. Right. And it's the same, exactly the same. It's just like, it's a, it's a, necessary for my survival i love it well i'm very excited to have had you on the record's awesome uh we will get deeper into was, it when we talk yeah again. i'm excited about that? to come back and do a part two i think that because even like half an hour wouldn't be enough to to fit the rest of the all the boring yeah, bullshit and, and, and my long-winded answers I, and, well and i always i Every time I have to blast past something, I always feel like you're leaving something cool on the table, and that's what's yeah, the point of having a long format. We never even got to talk show. about you uh, two and Negative Land, I, yeah. <laughs> which I, w I will at length for sure. Uh, Aaron, dude, thank you so much, man. Thank you very much, all right, brother. We'll talk soon. Take care. All right, bye. There he goes, Aaron Beam, Red Fang, part one of what is sure to be an epic two-part interview with the man. Uh, let's listen to something off of the new one. This is Arrow.
Guess what I'm gonna play now. Take take three guesses. First two don't count. That's right. Mr. Doug, baby, coming at you.
historic dog. Yeah, it's off of the uh, first Red Fang record, which is self-titled. And, of course, we had Arrows <laughs> off of the record Arrows, which, depending on when you're listening to this, may be out. Actually, I think it was technically released on the 4th. So, yeah, yeah, you know what? You can listen to that. So go listen to it. <laughs> All right. Uh, and, yeah, what a cool guy. That, that was uh, part one with Aaron Beam of Red Fang. Enjoyed that. Hope you guys did, too. name of the show is Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you so much for listening to it. This show airs on Radio Nope. Usually Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. Sometimes they do these Quarantimes edition. You know, that's how I roll. That's how I do. Protonicreversal.com for the archives. Always free. No ads. No sponsors. No kidding. But $1 a month at the Patreon level. Patreon.com slash Reversal will give you episodes sooner. So if that is a thing that is of interest to you, go do that. This is episode 253 with Aaron Beamer, Red Fang. You can find all the archives anywhere you find your podcast. 50,000 watts of power. Thanks, everyone, for all the nice feedback. And uh, if you remember, if you share the show around, it helps people find it. helps it uh, be found. <laughs> so that's always, that's always appreciated. Thank you so much for that. Liking, subscribing, all that stuff. Can you hear me now? Stay safe out there. Out on Route 128, it's dark and lonely. And take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
Welcome to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day, Emergency! Hey, hey! This is a real goddamn emergency! 